Hey everyone, welcome to What to Do at 22. I'm your host, Kenyatta Chambers. Right now, we're seeing unemployment at historical high levels. It's also the month of May, so a new class of college graduates are about to enter the workforce that's currently witnessing layoffs every week. Since the economy is slowly reopening, I thought it makes sense to talk about the job hunt and working with recruiters. Luckily, I have a few friends who have worked in recruiting and talent management for over the last decade, so I decided to bring them on today's episode to talk about the future of hiring and working in a post-pandemic world interview tips, and what employers are looking for for new applicants. I'm personally really excited to hear what they have to say, so I'll kick it over to them so they can introduce themselves. Take it away, Drew. Sure. Hi, everybody. I'm Drew Austin. I'm the CEO and founder of a company called Wade & Wendy. So I have a pretty vast experience in the recruiting industry. I started my career, actually, as a recruiting practitioner at a staffing agency focusing on technology-based recruiting. Lee and I actually started our career together in the recruiting space at the same company. And then uh, over the past about four or five years, I've been working as the founder of uh, Wade Monday, as I mentioned, which is an AI recruiting platform. So I'll tell you briefly about it. The focus is twofold. One, we work with enterprise organizations or large companies that do um, you know substantial amounts of recruiting to automate and make more efficient their recruiting processes. So a few capabilities are automated screening, automated sourcing, automated scheduling. And then our other product, Wade, is a career advisor for job seekers to help them navigate the landscape and help them find personalized opportunities. So my whole kind of mission in the recruiting space has been to kind of bring the personalized experience that I appreciated and learned as a recruiter, but complement that with some level of scalability that I believe the future of recruiting really needs to handle uh, the vast amount of people looking for jobs. And that's why we built Wade & Wendy. Appreciate that, Drew. Thanks. And you said you started the company about five years ago? Started the company, yeah, about four or five years ago. You know, we're venture-backed. We raised about $12.5 million to date in venture funding. And, you know, it's a really interesting time in the recruiting industry. Our customers are, you know, we're, we're seeing about three different types of companies. Either they're not hiring and they're just frozen because their business is completely shut down, or they're hiring like crazy because the dependency on their infrastructure has been something they've never seen before. Or there's companies that are not hiring but are thoughtfully thinking about how do we start thinking about the future of recruiting and start to introduce technology and recruitment automation into the workspace so that we can handle these ups and downs and these fluctuations in volume-based recruiting. So we're seeing some really interesting times right now. Got it. Appreciate that. Thanks for sharing. Sounds like interesting times. It was probably interesting because you guys were at the tip of an iceberg in terms of recruiting and changing that landscape before COVID. And now there's a lot of opportunity mm -hmm. to be made uh, with your services. So definitely want to follow up with uh, some more questions about the future of the industry sure. um, in a little bit. So what's up there, Lee? Hey, Kenyatta. How are you? New father out there. Yep. New father, living the dad life, exhausted, but amazing time for sure. So yeah, thanks for having me on. I'll give you, you know, a brief background about myself. So I've been recruiting in New York City for over 13 years. Drew and I started at a boutique agency back in 2007. I had an interesting run there. I was there for about eight years, about a year and a half into recruiting. We experienced the, the Great Recession in 2008. And that was a, a really interesting time. Lots of lessons learned. I think lots of parallels that you know, I'm personally drawing from that experience into this one. Although they're very different, there's, there's you know, a tremendous 
challenge that people are facing right now in the economy as far as you know, seeing, you know, what's going to, you know, be the job market in the next six to 12 months. I think there's, there's, there's just so many question marks and, and we're at an unprecedented time, actually, you know, even more so than where the Great Recession was. But I had an interesting experience there. I spent eight years doing agency recruiting, working with all different kinds of companies, seed stage startups, all the way up into the Fortune 500 landscape. About five years ago, I decided to go internal. So I joined, a, a, at the time, it was a Series A startup called Enigma. We, you know, were about at the time 25 people working on a really interesting idea, you know, basically collecting public data and trying to build solutions from it. And throughout my time there, I basically grew the talent function, ended up having a team underneath me and and, and building out the recruiting function for scale. We ended up growing to about a series C stage, uh, 150 people at our peak. And, you know, lots of lessons learned doing that, recruiting for engineers in New York City in a highly competitive talent market for sure. And so I had recently left the company and doing a little bit of a paternity leave break and, you know, taking some time off before I jump into my next gig. But I I think in terms of this conversation, uh, I'm hoping to bring some perspective from, you know, doing agency recruiting for so long, seeing how cutthroat that that industry is, doing internal recruiting at a startup and and the the operational challenges that inherently come with that. And, you know, we, we hired a good amount of people that were, I would say, zero to five years of experience. So as far as this podcast goes, I think there is... There's definitely, you know, some some interesting observations that I've seen as far as working with, you know, kids coming right out of college looking for their first jobs, especially in the tech space, and what it takes to, you know, obviously get in front of companies that, you know, are are looking for a competitive talent pool and and how to best position yourself to do that well. Appreciate that. Thanks for sharing. I know you alluded to speaking about different types of recruiting, whether it's like large agency or internal or third party. I myself, I think every looking back at my career, every job that I received was through recruiting from some aspect, whether it's out of school recruiting or like straight out of school or being coached by a third party. Or I remember like on the startup side, VCs lean on recruiters who their specialty is recruiting for startups. They want people who are only looking for startups and not, you know, large companies. And then that's actually a good segue to our final guest, Gary over here, who large company guy now. Yeah, Gary, just uh, feel free to introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. So I'm Gary Goldstein. I've uh, been in recruitment and staffing uh, industry for over 10 years. Started at another investment bank in back office technology recruitment, and then eventually transitioned to where I'm at now, uh, like I said, supporting front office, so global research and global markets. Uh, and we do both full-time and contract work. Yeah, we've obviously been very affected by COVID, although we are continuing to hire. And I think you know, obviously, you'll you'll see a lot of companies start to put positions on hold and start to maybe even lay off people and furlough people. Obviously, as, we, as we've seen, well, companies are continuing to hire, including us. And I, I think the biggest change that we've seen is, I mean, there's it's look, coronavirus is fundamentally changing recruiting and hiring practices in in every way. All aspects of it is changed, right? From interviewing to onboarding, social distancing is having a huge impact. We're talking about. An industry and, and, you know, with recruitment and HR, that's, that's very heavily based on, you know, uh, human interaction, you know, face-to-face interviews were the norm, right? That's no longer a thing. Face-to-face interviewing doesn't exist anymore. And people seem to be all right with it. We've hired a number of people in leadership roles, even doing completely virtual interviews. And I think that you'll see that become maybe a permanent thing in a lot of organizations. I know there are some conversations higher up. Uh, in, in the bank right now that they're having around, you know, whether or not we should go back to face-to-face interviews at all. 
you know, even coming out of the pandemic. So that's going to be a major change. I think the types of jobs available obviously will change. You know, you see some industries get hit hard, like the travel and hospitality industry, of course. But then, you know, you see like logistics and, and healthcare. You know, the, the jobs there are booming, you know, supermarket retail, obviously booming. So you see uh, a different landscape of the type of talent th- demands and, you know, the recruitment processes about how to acquire that talent as well, you know, with remote interviewing and so forth. Yeah. So you brought a good point about remote interviewing. And I just, so I just graduated from business school and I did a lot of interviewing. They used to, do, we used to do what they call on-campus interviews, OCIs, which is big. And then the larger companies would do that for uh, larger schools. Or I remember going to two conferences, MBA conferences solely just to like pitch yourself to top Fortune 500 companies. And so that may change. I don't think we're going to be having those conferences, those live conferences that you fly across the country to this year. While you were speaking, Gary, it was one, one thing that popped in my head, which was higher view. And I know that's really big within the finance services. I'm not sure if it's big within tech. I didn't. Have, I don't think I've ever used that in tech, but you know, HireView. That's a, that's a company that does remote interviewing, and that's. I think that's that's more AI based in which you're, like a computer is judging like where your eyes are moving, your speech, and your volume, how you articulate, and how you answer questions, and then based on that, then you can proceed to a more of a human traditional interview process. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, there are a few platforms out there that have all those analytical capabilities with regard to how you interview physically and and your responses. I think, you know, we'll see an increase in all those moving forward. I mean, you know, just, just from face-to-face to video interview platforms in general. I mean, I know I read that recently. I think Zoom in, in, I think it was like before the pandemic started, 27 of the recruiting interviews were scheduled through Zoom, right? And, you know, the, by mid-March, that number went up to 55% or something like that. just a 100% increase. And so you're obviously seeing a heavy shift, obviously, because we're A, forced to. But I think the big thing is when we come out of this, we're not going to be forced to anymore, but I think it, you know, a lot of these changes that are occurring will remain. You know, the landscape of recruiting will, will remain changed out of this for, for the long term. And that'll be really interesting to see how, how companies adapt, right? Companies have to adapt in so many ways. I think you'll see an increase in contract hiring for the short term as companies manage through how to adapt, you know, operating virtually in essence, you'll see an uptick in small contract gigs, right? Gig work, I guess. As companies start to bridge the gap, you know, until they start to reopen the perm positions and start to understand what that really looks like long term, what the critical needs are as they go through this and come out of this and kind of where the priorities are. And then they reopen up back a lot. So we'll see a lot of like, contract hiring throughout the next few yeah, months. So let, yeah, let's jump into that. Um, Drew, I think you're more, as our our program, I think of you as the futurist, the technologist in our group. And so let's talk about what do we think, what's going to happen in the near term and the long term as far as types of hiring, whether, you know, as Gary talked about contract versus full-time employment salaries, Let's also talk about the benefits, you know, 401k matching. I know companies are moving from a check-to-check matching to annual matching instead. And now bonuses or signing bonuses may be affected and stuff like that. So, so what do you see happening, not just with your company, but other people like in the industry? What's the trend now? Yeah. I mean, I think you have to start with first that like, I think 51% of the workforce right now is in the millennial age group. So that's, yeah. So, and then not to, and then the newest, what is it, Gen Z or what's the newest one? Gen Z. So they're now, and now they're entering the workforce as well. So 
there's a couple of things. First, we have to realize that there's changes based on not only just the COVID crisis, but also in just there's been changes going on. So first, you know, what we've seen are trends like, you know, people don't stay at, uh, you know, people are looking now for more experiences than stability. So the standard amount of time someone stays at a job is no longer, you know, 10 years, 12 years. People are in and out of jobs in two to four years now and trying to gain new skills and new experiences. So, you know, that's one thing. I think another thing is that people expect you know, we, we're, we're in a data, you know, we've been in a, in a data revolution for a long time now. And people expect if they're going to be leaving this, this much data all about themselves all over the web, they may not be happy with it. But at the very least, they expect is a personalized experience and something catered to them. So I think we'll start to see that because of all the data you've left across the internet and profiles you've built about your professional career, etc. You know, it, I think we're going to move to more of a, a suggestion over search kind of approach to discovering opportunities. So I think that's really important. So, I, you know, in general, I think that we've been making changes. I think the other thing that people are going to have to realize is that technology is becoming more and more a part of the recruiting process. There are going to be, when you get into a recruiting experience, you really need to kind of think about how do I knowing that technology is going to be a part of my process, how do I use that to my advantage? How do I build you know, a resume or a profile that's very machine readable so I can you know, get through the black holes of the ATS? You know, how do I do my best if I'm doing a video interview? How do I make sure I'm equipped for the proper lighting and proper sound and, I, and, I'm, and I'm prepared to do a, an optimal video interview? Because you know, especially for our company, you know, we had to build video interviewing right into our software right away once COVID hit because our recruiters all went remote. The last thing here, and just as the mention of remote, is that I think that remote work is going to be here to stay. Now, I don't think that it's going to be 100% like we see today, that like everyone's working from home. But I think at the very least, we're going to see a hybrid model going forward for majority of companies, which means a few things, which means A, it changes the way that we look for jobs. It changes the way that recruiters try to find people because the, the, the number one constraint of a job search by the recruiter or job seeker is usually geography, to be honest with you. It's a, you, you usually constrain your search by geography. But if geography becomes less of a role, in a search, then the, the vast amount of opportunities really need to be filtered appropriately so you can actually manage a process and effectively understand what to really engage with and what to invest your time in. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of really interesting things happening. I think we have to take into consideration the fact that where, of where trends are going, the new market of millennial workforce and what are they looking for and what are they interested in, and then how technology is going to play a role. Actually, I read something recently, I think like before this or in the past, I think it was like 40, 40 some percent of companies wouldn't even entertain remote working. And now every company basically has to. I mean, that's a huge shift in, in working, interviewing, hiring, onboarding. You know, and I see, I think, uh, Drew's right. I think we'll see an increase in remote job applications as geography becomes less of an issue, as companies start to realize that remote work is, is, is possible, right? You know, the companies will see that workers can be productive at home. They might, you know, enjoy not needing to to spend a ton of money on office spaces, and you know, that, that with the pressure to create a a good cultural environment, right? There's 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 pressure when it comes to that. Why have that cost and that pressure when you find out that you can be productive at home? It's it's gonna, the remote flexibility for workers and what that's going to look like in terms of job seekers and demand is is huge. I think huge changes coming. When you guys were recruiting out of Enigma. Do you guys have uh, any engineers or any like sales positions out on a regional basis? You know, the thing that comes to mind immediately is just like the dynamic of culture fit, right? So like, I think when you're working in an environment where, you know, let's say 95% plus of people are coming into an office day to day, 
you know, that's where like the culture lives and breathes. And that's where, you know, the values that let's say the founders or the leadership team, you know, want to set forward, like come into practice. And, and I think especially for folks listening that are looking to work at maybe a startup or a smaller company, a lot of times, like that's where startups win. I think if you're looking at, you know, let's say an engineer who's in the market and they're looking at a startup opportunity, they're, they're looking at, you know, let's say a corporate opportunity, you know, oftentimes, you know, everyone is looking at different kinds of companies for different reasons, but their culture, from my experience, I think can, can play a huge role in, in the make or break of someone taking an offer or not. And I think the fact that, you know, there's this interesting paradigm shift to, to more remote work, it's going to be an interesting challenge for companies going forward as far as how do they reshape their culture and reinvent, you know, the, the kind of employer environment that will attract talent but more importantly, retain talent over the longer term. So Drew's point earlier, you know, you, you are seeing lots of people nowadays like staying in jobs, you know, two, three years at a time, especially when they're earlier in their career, because they're trying to gain a diversity of experiences, which I think makes sense. I think, you know, there's there's a balance. You know, you don't want to just like job hop and, and go to a, you know a company every year or so. You want to definitely try to have a, a good, you know, experience where you can have, you know, solid things to put on your resume and, and, and show that you really made an impact, which I think takes, you know, at least two plus years to do so. But I think culture fit's going to be a really interesting challenge for companies going forward because it's going to be a very, very different type of piece of you know bait or an asset that that an employer you know will will, will dangle. I think from my experience at Enigma, you know, we had you know throughout my time there, you know, we we when we got to a Series C stage, you know, we we started to feel more comfortable having people work remotely, and that was like only like five percent of our employee base. So if we had like you know a couple of employees working remotely, it was because they were actually longer term tenured employees that we trusted to do that well. And you also need the operational infrastructure in place. You need to have management bought into it. You need to have the teams bought into it. Even like the littlest things, you go into a conference room, like make sure the Zoom or the Google Hangout is on, make sure that person's on the video chat, make sure they're integrated with Slack correctly. Like it, it's the little things that actually can make or break someone's experience day to day. So I think, you know, the, the remote thing is going to be interesting. I do agree with with Gary and Drew that, you know, going forward for the, for the, for the next couple of years, we're only going to be able to see Companies probably looking at remote work as the primary way to recruit, and in the longer term, maybe there is like some sort of you know hybrid model. But it's going to be interesting perspective, I think, as as candidates look at new companies and how they look at you know what's going to be the most important things for me as I evaluate accepting an offer. Is it is it culture? Is it compensation? Is it the actual work experience I'm getting? You know, whereas culture fit was always a big deal in the past, it may not be as big of a deal going forward because there's much more flexibility to work remotely. So it's going to definitely shift a lot of the context of, of what, you know, is important when I think candidates are looking at companies. Yeah, Lee, it's actually, it's actually pretty funny that we, uh, as the culture component, my company, we've been, so we're all remote now. We've been like doing activities like yesterday we did Wade Monday Cribs, where we all did a tour of our workspace or home. We did a game night. I hired a magician who did a magic show for the team. Like, so we've been doing all kinds of like remote, we, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to be creative and test the boundaries of what you can do with a culture that's remote. Because I think it's really important to still maintain a culture. I also agree with you, though, is that the definition of culture fit is going to evolve and change substantially. You know, on top of that, Drew and Lee, you know, to both your points, and and culture is so important. It actually starts even with like with onboarding, you know, I mean, before they even get to the firm and are finally immersed, like, when we're becoming virtual and working from home, you know, the the management style that's gonna have to change. I mean, how do you help someone new to the company? feel immersed with the business, you know, and, and part of it when we're all so, so separated, right? So you have to have some sort of programs in place or like Drew's doing the, these kind of cool activities to help people bring them together and help build that strong culture because it's much harder when you're not 
in a physical place together, I think. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting too, because like, I, I forgot what company it was, but I was on LinkedIn a couple of days ago and I saw like one of the bigger tech companies out there did like a, a holiday. Because what's interesting now is that when people are working remotely, there's no like clocking in or clocking out. Like we're always attached to our phones. We're always on email, right? But when you're going into an office, like there's still there, there's like a physical barrier. Like I'm at work. I'm physically at work. I'm going to be doing work. I'm in meetings. I'm in front of a computer. I'm surrounded by people. Like there's still some sort of guardrails around, you know, the, the actual day to day. From a lot of the things I've been seeing, it's like what's going to be a struggle for companies going forward, I think, is how do you actually provide those boundaries now? Because people are going to be working even more theoretically when they don't have to go into an office every day and they don't have to get onto a train and get on, you know, and, and commute and and they can work out of their basement with no pants on, right? <laughs> you know, it's going to be interesting to, to mitigate how companies are monitoring like employee burnout. And to Drew's point, like being creative about how to bring people together as much as you can in a virtual environment, you know? And, and I think it's, you know, if we didn't have video chat technology right now, this would be a very, very different ballgame. But I think for the ways that people are communicating so efficiently on Zoom and on Hangout and all these technologies, you can still feel like you actually work with people, although, you know, you're doing it remotely. But I think the cultural piece is going to be something that companies are going to have to continue to map out. And it's going to be a continuous evolution over the next couple of years, like as this gets figured out, like if there's a vaccine in another like one to two years from now, like, you know, will will these changes be lasting or will these be temporary and everyone starts going back into an office day today? I I think it's still TBD. Yeah, it's funny. Like the cultural question traditionally used to be like, when you're interviewing someone, how do I feel about this person? Do I want to be stuck in an airport with this person for, you know, 10 hours? Or do I want to grab beers with this person after work? And now it's like, what's their Zoom etiquette like? You know, like, how, how do they conduct themselves remotely over the phone and stuff like that? And so maybe, I don't know, soft skills, I guess when you're in a position in which you're meeting, um, you're doing a lot of remote meetings, stuff like that, soft skills come into play a lot. But if you're talking like engineers, you know, how do they get things done quickly? And like, do you have to micromanage them? Or like other sprint projects, they're, you know, are they just, you can set them and let them go. Um, you don't have to worry about, you know, them getting their work done in a timely fashion. So interesting to see. So I want to segue to talk about people being affected by this right now. So again, like I'm, I'm a recent graduate. Well, we're not having graduation this year, but I land a job at a great tech company out in San Francisco and they relocating me. But to you guys said about, you know, how do you get someone, how do you immerse them into the company culture? My onboarding is going to be done online if they don't open up their campus soon. And they have a huge multi-acre campus, which is closed. But our company, our sweet spot is remote working. Um, that's pretty much our product offering. And so it's great that everyone is, you know, out chilling and they can work from home and stuff like that. But for people who are like either about to join a company, work remotely, or, you know, who are looking for jobs and who are impacted by this, what, what tips do you guys have? And then from a recruiting standpoint, what are you guys looking for for these candidates? Or if you already found your candidate, what's the best way they can prep themselves to starting this new job remotely? Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're probably heading into to a recession, right? You know, the ex, that's what the experts say. I, I think, you know, it's important for people to not get too discouraged or looking for jobs and, and, and give up, right? I think they continue to network, continue to apply, you know, maybe change the approach a little bit, right? Acknowledge the fact that, these are certain, these are uncertain times, you know, for sure. But, and like you mentioned earlier, just, you know, just adapt and, and change your approach and kind of what skills leverage, you know, can leverage. I mean, companies are hiring. Yes, there's layoffs happening and people losing their jobs, but other companies are hiring a lot, you know, and, and there are jobs that are booming. So generally speaking, that's what I would say. I think for like job seekers that are coming right out of school right now, you know, a lot of this is going to be dependent on, yes, the economy for sure, but 
you know, your, your first job out of school should be a stepping stone for the longer term career path that you're looking to go down, right? So like, you may not get your dream job coming out of college right away. I think there for the last, like, honestly, like seven or eight years, it's been a candidate's market. On the technical side of the industry, there's a massive demand for engineers and data scientists and machine learning folks and, and people that are, you know, working in the, on the cutting edge side of tech. And, uh, you know, speaking from the employer side, it was always a massive challenge to hire these people at scale and at a really high quality bar. And when we, you know, were looking for, you know, I would say like entry level talent, we were really placing a big emphasis on like their motivations, right? So like we actually did just kind of quickly going back to the culture thing, because it's still top of mind for me. We actually had had really implemented like a pretty in-depth culture interview. It was something called the deep dive interview. We applied this towards like every single candidate that would walk in the door. If they were like, you know, zero years of experience or coming in for a C-level role, everyone through the same process. And it was a very in-depth discussion of their entire resume. But but even before they got into the job market. So like, tell me about your high school experience. Tell me about your college experience. Like, what were your highs? What were your lows? And I think in a lean economy, if we're going in towards a recession and there is less of a supply of jobs, companies are going to... The, the paradigm is now shifting to the company side. So I think it's going to be less of a candidate's market. I think companies are going to have more of their pick of the litter to an extent of who they want to bring in. And they can be a little bit pickier. And for an entry level, you know, candidate, you have to make yourself stand out. The way you go about doing that is really being very creative about like what you have on your LinkedIn. You know, talk more about like yourself on your resume. Just don't put like your GPA and the classes you've taken. Like talk more about you as a human. And I think, you know, use your network. Like the network that you have been able to build, even if you're a 22 year old kid listening to this podcast, the fact that you've been able to build a network from college, from you know, internships from, you know, maybe you were in a fraternity, maybe, you know, you were in clubs, like use all of those relationships to leverage connections that you can open up to, to have conversations with companies. And maybe the first company you work at is not your dream job. And maybe it's not like the sexiest product that's being built, but there could be a very strong, like underlying set of experience that you can gain that could then propel you to the next gig in two or three or five years. And I think that's something to really like take seriously because when there's less amount of jobs available, I think there's definitely going to be a more of an emphasis on like, what is the what is the right experience that I can gain to see myself grow in the longer term. And that I think is going to be maybe a wake up call for some, you know, for some job seekers. I think for the three of us on this, you know, podcast, like we all started pre, you know, the Great Recession 10 plus years ago. So we, we've seen this in a different context. But I do think like the first job has to be, you know, something that is going to be that that propellant for, for a job seeker. And, and, and it's something just to think about, especially to Drew's point about like, companies being more open to remote work. And maybe like when you're looking at, you know, opportunities, it's not just looking at the New York market, you could look at maybe companies in SF or maybe companies in Europe, like, there's going to be a lot more opportunity from that from that angle, which is definitely interesting. and something I don't think we've really seen ever. But it's it's more about expectation management and trying to like make sure that you, you know, you keep your eyes out for every opportunity and not just shut down ones that on face value don't seem like the most attractive opportunity just because of their business model. Yep. I'd say, like, if I was to add something, I think, I think, listen, I think college grads are in for a tough spot, are in a tough spot. I'll be honest with you. I think it's going to be really difficult for them for some time. But I, so I think that we have to think about this very realistically. We have 35 million people, whatever it is, that, that have filed for unemployment. So that, that's about 35 million people with at least a year more work experience than all these college grads. So I think we have to look at two things. I think one, it's going to be, a, a, let's, uh, I think we said setting expectations. It's going to be a numbers game. You're going to have to plug away and try to find an opportunity. But what I would do, I mean, personally, is I'd be, I'd try to figure out how do I start to work on projects and build something? How do I build? How do I work on projects? How do I find 
and take advantage of the gig economy, that type of stuff to start to build my expertise, my res- my own little personal resume and, and kind of like portfolio of work. So, you know, there were a lot, I think there's a big movement towards the gig economy. So you can take on, let's say you want to do designer, if you want to do product, if you want to do sales, whatever it might be. I would look for as many short-term gigs while you're sitting around trying to find a job. I would either look on Fiverr.com or Upwork, and I'd try to take on like you know gigs, and, and you don't have to be paid top dollar. Take whatever you can get to start to build up your experience because getting experience is going to be the differentiator right now. And if I was hiring people for jobs right now, if I can get someone with three years' experience that's laid off, willing to take the same amount of money with someone with no years of experience, I'm probably going with three years' experience. So... So, so to me, I would look at this as an opportunity to be creative, to work on entrepreneurial activities, build projects and work on projects and align with other people that are out of work right now in things that you're interested in and passionate about so you can develop your skills. I think you should be looking at the gig economy and looking at opportunities to take on projects. You're going to have to look approach recruiting as uh, your, your recruiting process, your, you know, your, pro- your process as, a, as a, a numbers game. And with those three things in mind, if you can keep yourself busy and you can keep yourself growing, learning, and gaining experiences, that's what I would. That's where I'd focus my attention. What do you guys think about in terms of networking and how to do that? You know, I, in, in school, I did a lot of like coffee chats, cold calling, cold emailing, and video chatting. And luckily, video chatting, knock on wood, landed me to the, the job that I have now. But how does networking play with recruiting? Has it helped people get their resumes in front of you? Yeah, totally, a hundred percent. I've I've recruited people from a tweet from a tweet. Um, really? So uh, wow. yeah, 100%. Because uh, so I'm a big believer in building your own brand. I think it's really important to have a presence on LinkedIn, have a presence on Twitter, have a presence on Facebook, but not just to have a profile. Join the groups, the interest-based groups that you're that you're interested in, and start to contribute and ask questions and network and then send direct messages and find mentors. Those types of things go a long way. And then I think you're also going to see, and I'll you know, throw a little plug. So we're producing, our company's producing the what's called the Recruitment Automation Conference. It's on June 4th. It's going to be a full-day virtual conference. And what's going to be really cool about it is that you know, we're having tons of speakers, great content. You know, we're having some fun entertainment. We're having a happy hour with a mixologist and uh, entertainers. And it's going to be awesome. But there's also a lot of networking. We're having like a chat roulette-style networking experience so you can meet with other people in the talent acquisition industry. Lee and Gary, you guys will definitely, uh, you're definitely going to want to check it out. Yeah, you know, there's going to be virtual conferences, virtual networking events. Social media is becoming more and more prevalent because we're all sitting home. And there's that new app Clubhouse that everyone's talking about. So there's a lot of these new new experiences for people to to in, engage and network digitally. And you have a, a lot more opportunity to get to the people that you want to speak to. You just got to make yourself valuable and get yourself into the right communities. Yeah, I, I agree there. Networking, yes, is is huge in, in forming a job and, and hiring. In fact, in our research department, the latest data science we hired, data scientist we hired, was actually someone who reached out to our head of data science on Twitter about something you tweeted. The da- head of data science shared that with me and said I should contact that person. And from there, we engaged with them and they ended up getting the job. So it's branching out to different mediums that, you, you know, you, you might a while ago it would be unusual, right? But now it's it's more the norm. So definitely networking. And I think, you know, Drew's right. You know, all these these conferences that were in person are going to evolve into virtual conferences and virtual networking events and groups. And as technology evolves and is directed towards supporting that growth in society, it's it's gonna become more of a 
mainstream thing eventually, you know, and a, a normal conference is going to be going virtually to a conference, maybe long term. I mean, who knows, you know, when we come out of this, what this looks like. But uh, I think, yeah, I think that's. So for our listeners out there, what are some things you would advise not doing, staying away from like bad practices that you probably seen from prior applicants or from other companies, recruiting processes? Like what are what are some things like, all right, I would never do that in, in my professional landscape? I mean, I think when it comes down to interviewing, like my advice would be go into it like from a sense of humility and just be very open-minded. And, you know, where the economy was, you know, even six months ago, where, you know, in, in the engineering community, a college grad could walk into a company very easily and get a six-figure salary across the banks, across startups, like, that may not be there right now. And I think there's going to be, you know, there's going to have to be some sort of flexibility I think job seekers are going to need to have as they think about this next six months to a year, which I think there's still so much that we don't know. But I think, yeah, go into it with, with a sense of open-mindedness and, and have conversations and build relationships. And, you know, you, you may go into an interview process and you may not get an offer, but you may have made a great impression on the people that you've talked to and they may refer you to other people that they know. I think like the power of relationship building is so important that as much as you can, you know, to Drew's point, I think like it's, it is important nowadays to have a very strong like social presence, right? Because like when you go through an interview process beyond a background check, most companies are going to Google you. They're going to look you up on Facebook. They're going to look you up on Instagram. They want to see like what you're putting out into the world. And that does stand for something. But I think the power of relationships can go can go very strongly. And, and, and as you enter the job market, if you're a 22 year old listening and you're coming out of college, like, You've probably built out a pretty large network if you're coming out of a university, and lean on that, and lean on you know the people that you've you've already kind of gone through the ropes with, and, and see if they can open up doors for you. So I think just being open minded, you know, going into a very humble, you know, that first job may not pay you know a six figure salary that you thought you were going to get coming out of college, moving out of your parents' house, living in the city, you know, living that whole dream, and you may need to live at home for an extended period of time, but you may you know, still have a great experience in that first job that can, again, propel you for much longer term success down the line. Um, so like one thing I like to do for each episode, and it's kind of like the basis, like the foundation of this whole podcast idea was to ask, go around and ask you guys, what's like something that you wish you knew back then that you know now that you would like to tell like your younger self? And if anyone wants to jump in and get started, I'm still thinking, but I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is finding mentorship and asking a lot of questions. And I may have said this on other episodes before, but like, honestly, like there's so many times that at which I saw a goal and I'm like, oh, okay, I can figure this out myself or found a challenge, I figure out myself. And then I ended up making kind of like the wrong decisions along the way. And it kind of cost me. And so I think it's really good to lean on your, your, your professional circle and also your friendship circle about asking questions, put your humility aside, put your pride aside. And um, if there's something you want to do and you're not sure how to go about it, don't try to figure it out on your own. Just ask, ask, ask. So that's something I would definitely tell myself when I was 22. I think around the time that you guys just ask more questions. So that's it for me. I got, I think I could do one uh, or a couple, but like I got, uh, I guess a couple things I could think about. Yeah, just, uh, one I think that was, that's been really impactful in my career has been about three, four years ago, I started um, like a meditation practice and I thought that was pretty useful. Developing a meditation and mindfulness practice was a really incredible and important tool. If I could go back and say, hey, this is something you should have started at 18, I definitely would. Because I think it's really important to be self-aware, to develop self-awareness. I think it's also really important to be a little bit more patient and thoughtful and accepting and just overall abilities that come from uh, building a meditation practice. I think it's going to help you along your way 
to develop patience, acceptance of where you are. And so I think that was definitely one that's been very helpful to me. I think the other one has been just surrounding, for me, it's always been, you know, I've, I've been an entrepreneur pretty much the majority of my career. And what I've learned is that for a substantial part of my career, I always felt like I had to do everything. What I've realized over the last uh, more recent years is hiring great leaders and great team members and great managers can really take a lot off your plate and it can enable you to delegate. And I think you need to give people the opportunity to really run. So, you know, you just be comfortable delegating. You don't need everything done your way. Hire great people, be a, work with great people. The more you work amongst great people, the faster you're going to develop your skills. I would take a job because of a great manager or a great team over a great company any day of the week right now in your early part of your career. The more you can learn from being around really powerful, you know, capable talent, you know, it's, you're going to advance your career far faster. You know, those are some things I think that uh, come to mind in terms of tips. Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, I'd say, you know, for me, one of the biggest things I would tell my 22 year old self coming out of college is really to lean on your network as much as you can. I wish I had more so coming out of school and and even, you know, years beyond uh, college. Personally, I grew up, you know, I, I went to camp, I played sports, you know, I went to college you know, I utilized probably 10% of that network at that time. And it's the connections that you don't even realize you have are sometimes the ones that can help you out the most. Doing what I do and, and help, you know, the recruitment efforts over at a bank, I'm always put in touch with my parents, friends, sons, and daughters, right? And I'm always happy to help them out and give them guidance on how to look for a job or connect them to someone else, right? That person would have never thought of me to think to reach out to me, but they might have mentioned it to someone and that person reached out to someone and they got to me and I reached out to them and here we are. You know, it's, it's just, it's the networking aspect. I wish I did more when I was younger and, you know, I realize the importance of it now. So that's something I definitely tell anyone coming out of school, just lean on any aspect of any network you have, how unusual it might be, you know, just anyone, you know, find that connection and, and you know, take it from there. Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. I've been reading this book recently called Range. And it's an interesting kind of case study on like really successful people. Like there's a chapter on like Tiger Woods and Roger Federer. And they talk about, you know, the, the author's whole point is like, don't go down one path and, and think you're, if you, you know, if you become an expert in that path, like you're going to be an expert at a lot of other things. Like you have to have a wide sampling of experiences, like when you're younger to really understand like what you're good at what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and how could you, you know, kind of continue to raise yourself up. And I think for me, like going back about 10 years, I think I would lean more on the community that I was a part of. And and nowadays, even more than where we were 10 years ago, with things virtually, like, go to meetups, you know, take Coursera classes, like, you know, listen to podcasts, like there's so much free education out there that you could gain without having to spend another, you know, Forty, fifty thousand dollars a year on a college, you know, degree. Not to discount a college degree, but there's so much information out there. So, like, keep your eyes open. You know, talk to people, network. To Gary's point, like building relationships are, are invaluable. You know, you may meet someone next week who may help you get a job ten years from now, right? Just because I think nowadays, like, people are much more willing, especially on on LinkedIn, to to give referrals and to make introductions. Where ten years ago, pre LinkedIn, it wasn't like that. So, I think really like lean on your community lean on your network, be open-minded, and just go into the job market with a sense of humility and see what happens. I think hard work always pays off no matter what. So again, like that first job may not be the dream job, but there's going to be tons of experiences that you can gain from it and, and, and be a sponge. Like If you're a 22-year-old coming out of college, like learn from everything. Learn from every single person you work with. Learn from every project you're doing. You're just starting out. Like You need to be a sponge. And I think 
there's still going to be great companies hiring. And if you take a sort of self-assessment of yourself and you know, here's where I think I, you know, I have some skills, here's where I think I'm light. I think that can give you a good perspective as you start thinking about, you know, the right job and the right company for you. Got it. So like being honest with yourself and also honest, like towards recruiters or to people looking at your application about strengths and weaknesses and where you can add value, right? Yeah, I mean, like recruiters are people like recruiters want to work with great candidates at the end of the day, they're obviously incentivized to, to hire and place great people in, into jobs. But, you know, build those relationships. Like, again, like you can go through an interview process, or you can have, you know, a series of conversations with a recruiter that works for an agency. And if you make a great impression, like you just never know what could happen. I think that's the coolest thing about networking. Like, you may get to the final round of an interview, and you may not get an offer because of whatever reason, but you may have left an amazing impression. And you know what? that person who's in a hiring role is probably going to have a network. And if they really think that you're a great candidate, they'll probably refer you to someone else in their network and help you get that job. So think about that. Like every time you're in front of a potential company or a hiring manager or a colleague or, or anyone, like, you know, you, you, you have to place a good impression of yourself because you want to have a brand online, but you also want to have a brand in person, right? And build credibility. And, and for me, like that's actually helped me a lot over my career is, is having great experiences with candidates on both sides of the fence. So being an agency recruiter, you know, maybe getting a candidate through a whole hiring process, and you hope that they take the job that you have for them at the company you're working with, and maybe they don't take that job. But six months later, they're now working at another company, and they're a hiring manager, and they like working with you. So now they're calling you up to help recruit for them. So this all goes full circle. And I think it's important to take that perspective in to all of this stuff, business and personal, because, um, you know, your, your personal brand does make a, a difference in the long term. For sure, for sure. No, I appreciate it. And great way, you know, to close out those, those remarks, guys. I want to thank you guys for jumping on and on this episode. You know, I think it was really helpful what we discussed. And hopefully our listeners think it's helpful. I think it's a lot of tidbits that I really want to show on our Instagram page. Shameless plug, by the way. Try to follow us on uh, What To Do Podcast on Instagram. We'll have follow-ups to this episode as well as like, you know, some some knowledge points that we dropped earlier on today. I'm going to look at that book, we called Range. I'm going to take a look at that. You know, just trying to learn something new every day. So, you know, I appreciate it. And thank you to our listeners. Hopefully, you know, a long road ahead, but definitely like at the end of the tunnel, it's going to be crazy times ahead. But, you know, try to take heed to what we discussed today and also, you know, do your own research outside of this. Figure out what works best for you as far as a job hunting landscape. Um, so, again, you know, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for being a part. And uh, that's it. 